And welcome to Gleaming in the Geek, the Red Hot Minnesota Twins edition. Yeah. Highest <laughs> team in the league, John. Back-to-back wins. I am uh, John Bonas of TwinsDaily.com. With me, Aaron Gleeman of TheAthletic.com. It's uh, very difficult to have a 10-game homestand, <laughs> win the first two games yep. and the last two games right. in in pretty f- fun and enjoyable fashion. Right, yeah. Um, and then uh, go five and five on the homestand. That's I mean, it really takes a lot of effort to do that. It's like, yep, yeah. It's <laughs> and to have the worst of the series be against the worst of the teams. Yeah, well, that's true too. Well, <laughs> Lose three yeah, Ford versus Tigers. That's probably true oh, too. Of course, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I think the Milwaukee series was a lot of the, it was a mini series, two yeah, right. two games, but it was a lot of fun. Correa hits the walk off, all that. The Tigers come to town and they're just reeling. They they had lost eleven of twelve. Their roster was just completely wrecked by injuries. Right. And then the Twins played. I to me at least. Now I haven't been to the road series, but for the home series, that was the worst series they played this yeah. season. Yeah. Um, and not just because they lost three out of four to a team they should have probably taken three out of four from, but just because they were they were just lifeless. They were just mistakes, and they didn't hit. And when they hit, they didn't pitch. And and Detroit was the just, only game they won was that two zero bullpen right, game, right? Uh, and 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 I don't think Detroit <laughs> Even was that in, did feel like a win <laughs> impressive at all. It's not like you go well, right. you got to hand it to Detroit. They they were undermanned, but they came right. through. And they no, I don't really. I wasn't impressed by Detroit. And we and talked that, a little bit on the Patreon on Monday, I think, after that series. And we were at sort of a low point of the – Yes. A low point of – our mood was pretty low. And we we were not alone, by the way. Rocco oh, no. Baldelli. So then – but then they go and lose the first two to Boston. And that's the – I would – Yes. You know. I would agree. Put a pin in <laughs> as the low point of the season. I, I, I agree with you. Literally, because they were two games below 500, which is their worst record <laughs> right, this season. Yep. But also just emotionally. Yes. Um, we, we were relieved to have a mailbag on yeah. Wednesday, so we didn't have yeah. to actually talk too much about. Uh, yeah. and, and that's also when the news came about Buxton, right? So <laughs> that after the second loss to Boston, which would have been Tuesday, Tuesday, uh, Baldelli was basically sick of it, um, <laughs> and he's uh, not in a way that he was like crappy towards the the reporters and stuff, but like you know, he was asked. As BSN often does, uh, first question is try to paint some positive. It's like, yeah, you were down 10 nothing, but you guys scored the last four and uh, Buxton and Royce hit home run or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't care about that. I'm, I don't even <laughs> want to talk about that game. There's nothing good to talk about. And then the, to your point, uh, that day pregame actually was the big topic of conversation was Buxton and his knee and his not playing center field. And uh, we're not. We, we'll talk about that a little bit, I think, on this episode. But we did like on Wednesday's Patreon, which, if anybody doesn't know, if you're just listening to this show, hi, thanks for listening. This we call the free show. It's yes. every Friday, once a week. Uh, we also do usually Monday, once a week. Yeah, usually once a week. <laughs> not next week, probably. Yeah, we should. Uh, we should probably more just on give that in a second. The programmers note about that. Yep. Um, we also do Monday morning and Wednesday morning shows uh, exclusively for Patreon subscribers. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. And the way that works is they're commercial free, a little deeper dives into specific games. We do some mailbags. We have some guests, that type of thing. 
If you like this show, I can almost guarantee you yeah. will like that show, we possibly a, we, even more. We do a complete recap of the season series. Yeah, a lot of that right, stuff. Yep. Uh, and they're a buck an episode. But so we the weekend series. we talked probably I don't know, 25, 30 minutes uh, about the Buxton situation, and I read through some of Rocco Baldelli's full quotes about it and some right. of Byron Buxton's quotes about it. And we kind of weighed in, and we also talked about you know the the notion of you know transparency with injuries, and also the idea that you know a lot of the people who are, are seem a lot of the fans who seem to think that the Twins aren't being transparent, and certainly if you think they're not being transparent enough with injuries, I mean that's true of the Twins and a lot of teams. I wouldn't disagree with that for a second. Right. But the idea of why don't they put the Twins? Back in, or why don't they put Buxton in center field? They haven't even talked about that. Well, they have talked about it. And why hasn't, why won't they comment on it? Well, they do to comment on it. And so we kind of got into that and read some of the longer comments because Baldelli spoke about it in much more depth uh, than he ever has before because his point was, I seem to answer this stuff every other day. And but it doesn't I'm not, seem but to, I must not be answering right. the right questions. And so he yeah, tried right, to, yeah. now, I, I can't say that this accomplished what he thought it would accomplish, yeah. um, but we talked about it for like a half hour. So we'll get into that a little bit, maybe later on, as we talk about Buxton's now hot streak, thankfully, right, yes, after right. that. Yes. Um, but it was the low point of the season, I think, literally and figuratively, uh, Tuesday night, I would say, around midnight probably <laughs> would have been the low point <laughs> right, of the season. Yes. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to sit here and make a, too much of coming back and just winning a couple games against the, you know, Red Sox team that's uh, a, probably a second-tier playoff contender, yes. not unlike the Twins, perhaps. Well, and it's not like they faced a, uh, a couple of aces in games no, three and four. although either. the Red Sox lineup, in part because of the Twins, but before this series even has been – it's a it's a pretty dangerous it's lineup. It's a good lineup. They've been playing right. pretty well and, and certainly offensively. And so I think Wednesday's win – was the kind of sigh of relief uh, in that clubhouse and, and probably from us and the fan base too of like, all right, well, at least they got the win. Now, it wasn't right. easy. No, it was a not. 10th inning walk-off and a <laughs> horrible call on the Michael Taylor play and then right. Farmer comes through in the next at-bat and all that. And then I thought yesterday's afternoon's game, the Thursday afternoon game, we're recording this Friday morning just in case anybody cares, um, was more kind of like, all right, let's put our foot down here and actually play well. And it, it's hard to – you couldn't really map out a better uh, finale to a really rough, emotionally draining homestand it's, than a 6 nothing win where your two superstars combined for three home runs right. and your young uh, frontline starting pitcher throws a shutout. Complete game shutout. Well, there's no such thing. <laughs> well, I, I oh, you're right. Argument okay, with fair, my, fair point. I right. had this argument with my editor. Right. So you're not the only person in my life. My uh, <laughs> pedantic nature uh, annoys. But I said, is there something other than a complete game shout out? And he thought about it and he said, you're right. But also you're being kind of a dick, which I think is <laughs> probably the theme of this show. I mean, you general. can still throw a shout out, but it has to be a, then it's a multi-pitcher shout out. You can't have a pitcher throw a shout out. Well, yeah, but it's also to, not right. the twins first shout out. It's the twins first shout out from one pitcher. So right. all the stats right. involved are not when if you were just saying the Twins first shutout they've shown they've thrown multiple shutouts this year. Oh, you're saying if specifically there's a shutout stat that's a, appropriate for pitchers as opposed to teams, and that's what you're counting. Well, yeah, it's yeah. been okay. 1909 right. yes. days. Yes, since a pitcher I, I, threw a shutout. I downloaded the complete game log yeah. uh, about for the Twins from StatHead.com yeah. yesterday at the end of the game. <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing, and just the complete game, the nine inning complete right. game, yes. regardless of how many runs you allowed. Right, it had been I think eighteen hundred and forty something days, forty two days, 
uh, since that they were both Jose Barrios in yeah. 2018. Yeah. One was in April yes. and one was in June. Right. So it's been over five years since either of those things For happened. For a nine-inning complete game. Yes. Right. yes. Yeah, he threw a couple of complete games in between, but one of them must have been rain-shortened and one was 2020 well, when they were COVID. Yeah, that was also Barrios yes. through the last yes. of those two. All the stats are Barrios. It's either Barrios <laughs> or Irvin Santana, any kind of modern Twins pitching stat. So we're talking about Joe Ryan uh, a lot because that was uh, impressive, and I thought his comments afterward were kind of interesting, and also it, it – Played into the you know Ra- uh, Baldelli quick hook narrative. Um, I did <laughs> yes, I did right. joke as uh, Joe Ryan uh, is sitting in the dugout between the eighth and the ninth innings at ninety eight pitches, right. and he comes out and he. Gets I was to, wondering how many pitches he had when he went in because yeah, by the time I was paying attention to exactly how many he had had, it was one hundred and nine pitches, and he had I think two of the outs or one right. of the outs. Uh, so he comes back out and he gets a big standing ovation from the target field crowd. And they play uh, Fire on the Mountain again for a second time, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, and then with one out, and he's at you know 105 pitches or whatever, and he's just cruising. Oh, he, th- he threw 13 out of 14 pitches in the ninth were fastballs. So right. he was yeah. just like, go yes. ahead and hit it. I yeah. don't care. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he was still getting swings and misses. But well, that's had- what you can do when you score six runs. Right. Exactly. That's something we talk about with starting right. pitchers and the quick hooks. Yes. And with relievers and the sense that right. they're just in danger constantly. Is there like, is zero chance that he is out there if it's a 2 nothing game. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think that's probably true. Although they they did, I think, want to preserve the bullpen. Yeah, probably. But I think you're probably right. Um, but was, I thought, the funniest part, or potentially the funniest part, was with one out, Emilio Pagan just starts kind of getting loose <laughs> in the bullpen. That. I saw that. And uh, what happens in the press box is one of the PR staff will announce who's warming up for either team <laughs> yes. just at all times. Right. Yeah. So they'll be like, anytime uh, somebody warms up in the bullpen, the right. PR staff just jumps on and says, that person warming up in the bullpen is Emilio Pagan. Right. Number 15, like Emilio Pagan, or whatever right. it is. Yeah. And so I thought, I tweeted this, but I'll repeat it. Um, I thought, uh, <laughs> Emilio Pagan is warming up. Rocco Baldelli now has a chance to do the funniest thing in the history of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Which is let Joe Ryan get two outs with no one on base and like 108 pitches and then just stroll out and take him out and put in a meal. I just think it would have been so funny. I wanted him to do it. And I Rocco really, Baldelli troll. I really think less of Rocco, in ter- not as a person or a manager. I think more of him as a person, just as a, a humorist, as a, as a, as a, as a troll. Yeah, as a troll. I think less of him. So anyway, we'll talk a lot about Joe Ryan too, but I thought that was, uh, I don't know. It was a very strange homestand. I think emotionally draining is how I would describe it, even for the people covering it. It yes. was a very uh, – Of course. The vibes in that clubhouse, man, it went from insanely hyped to a morgue and then back to good yeah. and uh, everything yeah, I mean, in It was emotionally draining as a fan. Yeah. It's certainly emotionally draining as a media member who's got to yeah. watch all of it, report on it. And I can't even imagine how emotionally draining it was as a yeah. ball player. It, it was one of those things where I think there were some comments about this from Rocco after the game about like – yeah, I mean that this is baseball. You know, we go from the lows of yeah. one of the middle of this homestand to the highs of this homestand and that is just we almost, you know, it's hard <laughs> it's hard for us to remember ourselves that this game just changes sure. day to day to day. I mean, it's certainly hard for you and I. We we, we were as low as we didn't want to even talk on Wednesday. <laughs> That's why we had a mailbag. It's true. I mean, I think I say this a lot. That's we're relieved to have a mailbag. Sorry, two things Baldelli likes to say is we do this S every day <laughs> right. to a lot of questions about momentum right. and right. this and that. And he'll often say, not in a mean way, but he'll say, you know, we do this S every day. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then something I think is true, and we repeat a lot here and try to kind of 
tether yourself to the middle uh, is teams and baseball teams, especially, and certainly the Minnesota Twins over the years, they're never quite as bad as they look at their worst, and they're never quite as good as they look at their best. And so when you're going one and five against Detroit and the Red Sox in the middle of a homestand, and everybody's pissed off, and the baseball's bad, and the record's below 500, and you see the division lead in a division you should be winning by eight games, you're in danger of giving it up. And you just think, when will this team ever win a game again? This team's going to finish in last place. This team's not going to make the playoffs. And then two days later, when they have a couple of nice wins against another middle-of-the-road contending right. team, you go, well, here we go. They're back at it, baby. <laughs> and I think it's important to be like – I try to just do this in life in general. It's just – I don't say this as like um, I'm better for doing this. It's just how my brain is built. It, do, it just doesn't – like – um it, when you're doing like radio, there's like audio levels, mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you get if you're on the radio or even on a podcast, and I were to scream into this microphone, right. it it will cap, yeah, it, it will cut off the top of your audio because right. it's built only to to sort of have a certain spectrum, and I think that's kind of how my brain is, and I think most of the time that pays off. Now you might ask the person who's been dating me for ten years <laughs> if my inability to fluctuate within that is good, but I think for being a Minnesota Twins fan, it's not bad, and so yeah, it's. Especially when you're talking to the manager and the players before and after these games, and you're walking into a clubhouse after they've, they've lost five out of six, and guys are just distraught, and you realize, like, you know, you, you need to ask them questions, and you have to take seriously what they say, and you need to write about it. But there's a part of me that knows deep down, well, they're going to show up here tomorrow at noon. Right. And they're just going to have a different vibe. It's just going to be a slate cleaned, not because they chose to do that, just because there's 162 of these things. And if you (laughs) don't do that, good and bad. I mean, if you come in after every win and you're just completely through the roof, uh, you're going to lose a lot of games after that, and you're going to be really confused. And And the flip side of that is true, too. I mean, I think they desperately needed those two wins against Boston. But that, and it's tempting then to from that go. Well, those were two huge wins. It's going to be the start of something. Except then you look ahead at the schedule and you right. go, well, now they're on the road for ten games, right. which is never good. Yep. They're playing Detroit, which they just lost three out of four at home. Yep. Now on paper, that's a, certainly a two out a of recipe, four recipe, or three out a of recipe four. for getting better, right? <laughs> right. Um, but then it's go. On then to they Atlanta. go to Atlanta, right. which is just. Seriously, I think they play three in Atlanta. I'll put the over-under at 25 runs allowed by the Twins. And that's, by the way, me saying the Twins are a good pitching thing. Right. Atlanta's offense is just scary. Right. And their pitching is, is good. I mean, Atlanta's just a very, very good huh? team. And then from there, they go to Baltimore. They have the best record in the National League. They right did. Now? I don't know if they yeah, still do. Yeah. Um, and then you go to Baltimore, which has been crushing yes. people all yeah, year with right. a bunch of young guys yeah. uh, in the toughest division in baseball. So. You know, it's great they won those two games against Boston. If they hadn't won those two games against Boston, certainly the, they'd be four the, games under the tone of that. They'd be in second place, probably. They yeah, would be, right? Uh, and the tone of the show would be different. But you know, it's it's two games, and they're at exactly five hundred. And I feel like this show, especially, is just sort of analyzing how you dance uh, from one or two games below five hundred to one or two games above five hundred, yeah. and that's just been the last month. Yep. Or the last five years, really, uh, since 2019. And it's, I don't know, it's it's strange. I also, uh, I had two quick uh, behind-the-scenes tidbits from Target Field. Okay. Um, and we talked Joe Ryan and Buxton and all kinds of stuff. But uh, three 
behind the scenes tidbits. I don't <laughs> okay. know how interesting these are, but I'm, who else am I going to tell them to? <laughs> um, before, uh, before Wednesday's game, pregame, we were in Rocco Baldelli's office because we do a pregame interview with him. And uh, Kevin Euclid, the Greek god of walks, yeah, yeah. former longtime Red Sox yeah. uh, third baseman, first baseman, was in there because he's a broadcaster. He's kind of the uh, the Justin Morneau or maybe the Glenn Perkins of okay. the Nesson New okay. England Sports Network. And so he was in town, and he played with Rocco Belli for one year with the Red Sox oh, yeah, okay. and yeah. played against each other for a long time in the yeah. AL East. And right. so he was in there when we walked in, and uh, they were just shooting the shooting the ass like a couple of friends. And, and Phil Miller from the Strib uh, was also in there, and he said just offhandedly like, Oh, hey, I, I voted uh, you for a 2008 AL MVP to Kevin Euclid. <laughs> and he said, oh, okay. Yeah. And, and we, I was like, oh, what, what did he finish? Oh, he finished uh, third. And then uh, from the back of the room, I hear, uh, well, I finished second that year. So thanks, Phil. <laughs> and it was uh, Justin Morneau. <laughs> so funny. then I spent the first five minutes of Baldelli's interview Trying to discreetly look up on Baseball Reference right. the voting totals from 2008 right. ALMVP. What year did Morneau win it? 2006. 2006. Yeah, 2006. Yeah. So he won it, and then two years later he finished right. second. Yes. And Dustin Pedroia, Euclid's Red Sox teammate, actually won it. <laughs> and so it got interesting. And I could see Phil, and he knew Morneau's joking. Morneau's right, a very yes, n- right, nice, yes, sarcastic, right, right, funny right. guy. And they have a good uh, rapport. But I saw Phil at the other side of the room thinking about it. And so I thought, oh, my God, if I can look up the voting totals and I can tell them that that cost him. Right. But it didn't. It did. <laughs> but I believe – so Morneau finished second. I think he got like seven It would funny if Pedroia would have been in the room too. Well, yeah, that would have been. Uh, yeah, that's true. Red Sox player, sure. But I do think that if Phil had voted for Morneau and the two voters that voted for Maurer that year – Right. Had also voted for Morno, he would have been like very close to finishing first, but still wouldn't have been there. So okay. that wasn't All that right. fun. Yeah, right. okay. uh, but I thought that was a good, uh, good insight. <laughs> I, I really, I've started, I am old, but I'm starting to really feel old because almost every now visiting announcer, right? I mean, much like Perkins, Plouffe, and Morno are right. the new yes, twins yeah, announcers, exactly, the yeah. current twins right. announcers. It's like Kevin Euclid or Detroit was in I mean, town. Not only are those guys we talked about or, or wrote about, those are guys we talked about on the podcast. How about <laughs> these are guys I wrote about as prospects? <laughs> yeah, right. Kevin Euclid exactly. was a guy yeah. I touted as an underrated I know. prospect. I know. And so now they're old uh, announcers. Yeah. Like Detroit was in town, and one of their announcers is Craig Monroe, the left fielder who actually played for the yeah. twins. And I just think, are you even retired? And he's like, yeah, I've been retired for 11 years. It's like, God <laughs> damn, I'm old. Anyway, uh, two other quick ones. It was uh, a lot of celebrities at uh, Target Field. I mean, I sit next to Doe Young Park every game. Sure. So that's one that's, that's always one. Yeah, there. Sure, that's Certainly. It. Tim yeah. Laudner, for instance, always at the game. <laughs> uh, but uh, for, f- first, in the middle of the series, uh, Nate Bargatze, the comedian who I saw at the Ordway last right, Friday, yeah, yeah, yeah. was uh, there throughout the first, first pitch. pitch right? And then um, – Bill Burr, who's a even oh, yeah. more famous, Great, prominent yeah. comedian. I don't know. He must have been performing somewhere in town. I didn't look this up. But he was in the Nesson booth two nights ago okay. for five innings. Oh, my he God. just – not as an interview. He just did just, like just doing color commentary. Color commentary. That's the third guy in the booth. Yeah. I think it <laughs> maybe started as – it. but so he's friends with Euclid, and that's okay. how he get in there. So I was very excited. I'm a fan of Bill Burr. I've seen him live, but also he's a – been in some really good tv shows including yeah. breaking bad right. so i asked him i had pestered him with questions about breaking bad and everything but they had a funny moment in the elevator after the game when they were going down to the clubhouse it was like maybe 10 people in the elevator me euclid 
Bill Burr, who are friends, and uh, Euclid says to him, uh, see, that wasn't so bad, was it? And he goes, oh, no, that was great. And he goes, and to think, my producer, he says to Bill Burr, was so worried. And Bill Burr says, what were they worried about? And he goes, I don't know if you know this, Bill, but you've uh, been known to curse once in a while. <laughs> He's a filthy comedian. And Bill Burr goes, well, I know better than that. And he goes, yeah, but they don't know that. Yeah, and then it, right, there yes, was quiet for a right. minute. And then Bill Burr must or, have been, or they don't know if he cares. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. Or maybe had a, a beer or two before the game. Right, yeah. And then I, I could tell like Bill Burr was thinking about it. And then like 20 seconds passed. And as we get to the negative two to go to the clubhouse, he says to him, but it, it went okay, right? And Euclid goes, it was horrible, man. And he just walked on the elevator. And I thought that is a very funny because he clearly – anyway, uh, it must have gone well because he was there for five innings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for any fellow Breaking Bad fans out there, did you watch Breaking Bad? I have not yet. I've watched – I've seen clip, lots of clips. So there's a – for any Breaking Bad fans out there, we'll only appreciate this. But I asked him about the scene where they, they lay on top of uh, the giant pile of money, which I'm fascinated <laughs> with. So I asked him about that. Um, and then the last uh, little tidbit was a cute little moment post game yesterday that kind of showed – how different the vibes were compared to uh, 36 hours earlier when everyone was ready to retire right, from baseball, yes. basically, which is a Baldelli after the day game yesterday came into the uh, little side room where we interview him post game and he was carrying his two year old daughter, maybe two and a half year old daughter, Louisa Baldelli. Yeah, right. uh, very cute. And he sits down at the <laughs> chair with the podium and she's holding a mini basketball uh-huh. and a baseball in her hand. And I think in he, his head, uh, he thought, well, that'll keep her busy while she sits right. on my lap That's for this 15-minute interview in front of these giant television lights in a room full of strangers. And uh, she lasted. He's got to know better yeah, than that. I mean, that's a... That's the first Anybody who's traveled with a child on a plane knows that yeah. th- every distraction lasts a full 45 even, seconds. Even me, I was like, this will never work. <laughs> you have to come up with 300 distractions yeah. to get through a plane flight. Baldelli made a lot of good decisions Thursday, including keeping Joe Ryan in. Not a great decision. <laughs> but so then he just – she started like talking. She was just talking or you know wanting to hand him the right, baseball. Yes. So he puts her down and he said, he said uh, oh, uh, Uncle Doe will play with you because Doe Young Park is sta- – <laughs> and Doe stood there – um, as if a police officer oh. had told him up against the wall. That's that the was best. his demeanor. He That's just went, I'm up. Nope. Best. I love doing that to people who have yeah, no, he has no children. <laughs> he was like, what? And Dustin Morris, who I believe has like two or three kids, got on the floor to play with her. But then a funny thing happened, which is Baldelli did his full – people can watch this. It was on F- or BSN. There's a clip of it. He did his full like 13, 14-minute interview with us where he's just answering questions about Joe sure, Ryan yes, and right. Buxton. And he's giving good answers. And every about 35, 45 <laughs> seconds, um, you hear him go, thank you. Yes. Thank you. And I'm like, what? People probably watching is like, what's yeah. happening? Luisa Valdelli, two years old, found a bucket of baseballs, baseballs. Yeah. and just one by one was handing him more and more baseballs. <laughs> he's trying to hold on these and baseballs. So I tweeted out on a, top of the basketball that she used right, to have, too. He's got a basketball <laughs> under his arm because <laughs> yeah. there's like a Nerf hoop in the room that we're in. <laughs> right. Um, that Nick Gordon and Trevor Larnick play horse with. But uh, by the end of it, I took a picture. I tweeted this. He had nine baseballs in his two hands and a basketball under his his arm. And at the end, he held them up. And I just thought, She's just going to grow up thinking it's normal for your father to be able to hold nine baseballs effortlessly in his two hands. Just so happens his father, her father's a six foot four former, I mean, like it's ridiculous. And then he thought, uh, he, at the end, he, he stood up and he goes, how many strikeouts did Joe Ryan have? And Doe's like nine. And he goes, look at that. Nine baseballs. He goes, good job, Louisa. So anyway, I thought that was, there's a, it's a, I don't think moments like that should make anyone think, 
better or worse of Rocco Baldelli or better or worse than we've told similar sure. stories about players behind the scenes and stuff like that. But I do like to kind of, uh, A, if I'm there for these moments, I'm going to share them because sure. otherwise what's the point of me being there uh, for as a media member? But then B, I do think it's important to kind of tether these people in the reality of the fact that they're humans first right, right. and baseball players second I mean, there's also, or baseball managers. It also goes back to the point we made here earlier, which is like, this is just an everyday job. Right. It's not you know, like his daughter was just there. Right. And he thought, I'll bring her into the post game. Right. Not because he thought this is going to be the most important post game interview I've ever done. Just <laughs> right. because he thought, well, I do 162 of these. Right. So it's like, take your daughter to work day. It's yes. like, at, it's, if you every, work in an every office, day, you're looking for something to switch it right. up a little at the office. That's definitely <laughs> you know true. what I mean? Somebody, yeah, uh, right. Tuesday when it was bad, um, I, w- I would have had someone arrested for bringing a child into that interview room, <laughs> right. like realistically. Right. Uh, I think maybe Otter or somebody said, like, you know, are you trying to shake it up with any kind of kooky right. uh, antics? And he goes, we've already gone through that list. Uh, it didn't work. <laughs> like, we're on yeah. number 15 <laughs> on that right. list. We're yeah. we're very close to, like, bringing in a petting zoo. It's like trying to find the 300 distractions to Put, put your toddler through an airplane or yeah. get their airplane flight. We, yeah, you're, we, on, we, you're, on, you're at the bottom of the list and the plane hasn't even taken off I've yet. I've had them press my remote control yeah. button all the time. I've had them play with my keys. I've had the, you know, I pulled That's out right. the Teletubbies book. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> before we talk about Joe Ryan and Buxton and uh, Kent Maeda's return, which is going to be tonight, right? and some, some other things, let's talk about our, our first couple of sponsors here. One of them, Soda Stick, yep. longtime sponsor. Soda, like Minnesota. Yep. Uh, stick, like uh, stick. Um, SodaStickCo.com <laughs> is their website, or you can just Google them. Uh, we always talk about them in terms of the A, the quality of the shirts they make. Sure. And I've had them make yeah. stuff for a private thing, and it came out right. so well that people were like, this is great. And the quality of like the ideas behind yes, the, it. It's not just right. a shirt with a team logo on it. Anybody can get that. Go to the clubhouse yeah. store, the whatever. But their latest one is a uh, one that was most like a concert T-shirt, <laughs> except that the concert is a bunch of town ball. Yeah, uh, town ball games that uh, Fox Nine is touring. Uh, so they've got a new Fox Nine town ball tour collab shirt. Uh, Fox 9 is touring seven town ball games to do features on them in June and July. And so you've got the it's kind of, I think it's a beautiful light blue uh, t-shirt along with the town ball logo and stuff on the front. And then the sort of the tour dates on the back which is they great. the uh, Buck Yeah Trucking Company. Yeah, although shirt. that one is Might boy, be sold almost out. sold out. Like, well, that's the other thing we say about yes. Soda Stick, which is I always compare it to a really good barbecue place which is like it's uh, there till it's sold out, and then you're out of luck. Yes, yeah, uh, and so go to sodastickco.com or just Google Sodastick, and they yeah, great baseball stuff, but also just overall Minnesota sports stuff yeah. across you're all the sports. You're gonna find something you like. Yes, absolutely. They've got hundreds at this point, hundreds of designs. Yes, so. and if you use the promo code Gleeman, you can get fifteen uh, percent off. Correct on anything you buy. Yeah, sodastickco.com, and then the other one that we wanted to talk about. Is uh, nuts.com, which is, uh, I thought, John, that should have been a good name for his blog. <laughs> right. But exactly. nuts.com is uh, snacks. Yeah, that's Place right. to get snacks. Very basically. good snacks, too. We've uh, we both tried them. Yes, they sent us a, a feed bag. Yes. And uh, we went through it very quickly. Uh, they, they have a bunch of different options. So, like, if you're into nuts, they have, you know, mixed nuts, assorted nuts. That's right. obviously their specialty. Yeah. Uh, Chris then, loved the cashews. Yeah. Oh, my God. But then beyond yeah, that, I did too. There's also, like, the kind of, uh, 
mixed assortment, which is more of like a trail mix right. type of thing that you can mix. Or if you are living with a child or perhaps a significant other who likes to snack like a child, right. they got like gummy bears, they got candy, they got that's what we got. And that Becky was going through what all was that. the one that I really liked? Bourbon bourbon walnuts or something? Oh, Maybe. my God. So Just good. a lot of – and you can go pick and choose and kind of right. build your own assortment basically. Uh, but it's one-stop shop for uh, freshly roasted nuts, dried fruit, sweets, all the pantry staples, like uh, even like specialty flowers and stuff. Wide selection. So you can you definitely can find something you like. And uh, nuts.com is offering new customers who listen to this show – uh, a free gift with purchase, and you get free shipping on all orders of $29 or more. You just have to go to nuts.com slash Gleeman. Go uh, find all the delicious options at nuts.com slash Gleeman. You'll get free gift and free shipping when you spend 29 bucks or more at nuts.com. Great thing to get Gleeman. for that next uh, 4th of July thing. Bring some uh, stuff from nuts.com. Okay. Big hit. Um, Joe Ryan. Like we mentioned, uh, throws the first complete game, nine inning complete game in over five years. First yeah. shutout by the Twins in over five years. Um, you know, like you said, it helped that they had the the six run lead. Kind of, you know, made it autopilot esque. Mm-hmm. I think from a managerial standpoint. Although we did ask both parties afterward, Joe Ryan and, and Rocco Baldelli, like what was their conversation between the eighth and the ninth? Like right. what was the and Joe Ryan said that all Baldelli told him between innings was, uh, "Hey, be efficient." Yep. In other words, you're at 98. Yep. You're. I'm not going to tell you you're not going to go out there. You're definitely going to go out there, but right. you ain't going to 130. Yeah, so right. don't don't putz around here. Uh, and he came out and he threw 14 pitches, 13 of which were fastballs. Right. Um. And and mowed him down very easily. 112 pitches, which even in the year 2023 is certainly a manageable number. Yeah. Uh, and they were very low stress pitches, I would say. There were very few base runners. It wasn't a close game at any point because Buxton and Correa hit all their home runs so early. So it was, what, a four run lead immediately and then a six run lead after four or five innings. The story early was the Twins offense suddenly exploding. The yeah. story the rest of the game was, yeah. and after the game. He was, uh, I mean, it was just really impressive, obviously. Anytime a guy throws a shutout, that's not breaking news. But I thought it was interesting within that, A, the Red Sox have a really good lineup. That's been very hot lately, including a lot of damage against the Twins during this series. And a lot of good left-handed hitters, uh, which once upon a time was a big issue for Joe Ryan. uh, Even last year, but certainly two years ago or when the Twins got him, it was, well, this guy's really just a fastball pitcher. Then he started working on a slider and he had a changeup that didn't really work all that well. But the big thing for him, and I think the the number one reason that he's kind of taken the jump this season from good, solid, number two, number three starter type of guy, which is plenty valuable in a young pitcher, to, you know, number two, maybe number one starter type of guy, potential all-star guy uh, in his second full season, is he ditched his kind of traditional changeup, which really wasn't working. He didn't he didn't trust it more than, you know, 10% of the time. Mm-hmm. And lefties just did damage on it. And he just completely ditched it this offseason in spring with the work of of Twins coaches and some some private work at facilities. And he replaced it with a split changeup, a splitter, which we've seen quite a few pitchers have success with. And it's sort of the same thought process, and it also is something that can help against left-handed hitters if you're a right-handed pitcher. And what was remarkable is we've kind of seen – he talked about it during spring training, but it was like, okay, let's see this in action. 
And he had almost immediate success with it, and it's not let up. And we've started to see the usage of it climb more and more and more. And uh, Phil Miller asked him afterward, well, what's kind of behind your confidence in it? Like, what has made you more confident in the splitter when a year ago you were like fastball only, basically? And he said, uh, it works. Well, (laughs) he said, said, uh, well, I look at the statistics, and they're really good. And I was like, okay, yeah. And I looked. And prior to yesterday, Batters were hitting 136 against this changeup. Right, yeah. And so whether you want to call that uh, analytics or just sure. looking at numbers, you, if you can I mean, you show need that a, you to need, a pitcher. You need to have a good uh, fastball to offset sure. that. And you, you, a, can't, you can't be sitting there sitting on it. He but, has right. the perfect fastball in that, A, his fastball is one of the best and most underrated in all of baseball, especially relative to the velocity, you know, mostly <laughs> you know mediocre velocity right. by 2023 yes. standards. But because of his unique arm angle and the movement on the pitch and the characteristics on the pitch, it almost yep. has like a rising effect. Yep. Um, yep. And he gets swings and misses up in the zone with 91 miles an hour fastball all day. And so if you can do that, and if you look at like his heat map from yesterday, it's just all, you know, he threw 75 fastballs out of 112 pitches, all of which basically were chest level or higher in yeah. the strike zone. Um, got a ton of swings and misses on that. And then through 35 splitters, yeah. Uh, out of 112 pitches, well, all of, of which, lefties, right? yes, yeah. all of which were kind of uh, you know belly button or lower in the strike zone, and he got a ton of swings and misses and weak contact on that, and that's the perfect combination: yeah. high fastballs that move and are, appear faster than they actually are because of how you throw them, and then a splitter thrown you know eight to ten miles an hour slower that just falls right off the table. So people are gearing up for a high fastball at their eyes. It appears to be a fastball. Then it just kind of falls right out of the zone. And that combination has been just absolutely deadly for him. It's similar to like what Jake Odorizzi used. I mean, a lot of pitchers. It's a, it's a more modern approach. Uh, I would say in the last five years, the, the kind of high fastball has right. come in vogue. Oh, of course. Once it was proven that. You know, Burp Lilevans being mad every time he left a fastball was kind of silly because <laughs> right. you can get swings and misses on high fastballs because just from a physical mechanical standpoint, it's harder for hitters to catch up to uh, a 91 mile an hour pitch at their eyes than it is, you know, at their chest or whatever. Right. So, but what was interesting then is, you know, people may have just done the math in their heads as I said, those pitch totals. He threw 112 pitches. 75 fastballs, 35 splitters. Now, you're Carlton math major. <laughs> you Can you tell me how many pitches were left? Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slider. He threw two sliders, two sliders. And he gave up a hit on one of them. <laughs> he, he noted that afterward. <laughs> That's funny. And he I has, hope it was to a right-handed hitter. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was Justin Turner's <laughs> okay, first okay, hit. Okay, okay. I'm not 100% sure. But he has thrown his – and he, he has tweaked his slider to be a, a sweeper in addition to the slider, and it's actually become a better pitch. Right. But I think what happened along the way was last year the slider was a big development for him, and it really helped him take a, a, a smaller step forward last year. And I think what happened is his slider is still pretty good, especially to right-handed hitters. It's not a great pitch against lefties, though. Right, no. And I think what happened – He rarely is. Was that he had developed this slider and tweaked it enough so that it was at least an average-ish – breaking ball to pair with his uh, fastball and have more success. And then somewhere along the way, he tweaked his changeup to become a splitter, and it just took off. And he got to the point, I think, over the last three or four starts, and it's certainly in this last start, where he just thought, 
well, f- screw the slider. Right. I got something really cooking here right. with the splitter. And there are going to be times he's, in he's, certain lineups where you need all three. Right. But yesterday was not one of them. And he, he, he's be, kind of become what Pablo Lopez has been prior yeah. to this year. I mean, it's not, it's a changeup versus a splitter, but yeah. either way, the, the result is the same that you've got a, a change of velocity that plays against the opposite side. And when you've got, we always say a, a starting pitcher has to be a three pitch pitcher, right? But, Really, what we're saying about that is you have to have one fast and one slow pitch against each side, right? right? And so, so if the, the same slow pitch, pitch, the slow pitch isn't usually effective against each side. Correct. It moves left to right or it moves right to left, and either Which way you will get. You'll right. often see, especially from a starter, like right. you said, you you need a good fastball, right. whether that's a four seam, two seam, sinker, cutter, right. whatever it is. Those are all in my mind fastballs. You need that against everyone. Because that's how you get ahead of counts is you throw for strikes, fastballs. Fastballs are thrown for strikes. It's also the pitch hitters do the most damage on. But you can't throw the other stuff unless you're ahead in the count because they'll just take breaking balls for non-strikes. Right, that's right. And so to your point, you know, you need something that can neutralize right-handed hitters and something that can neutralize left-handed hitters. And if you're a right-handed pitcher, the stuff that neutralizes right-handed hitters is usually a curveball or a slider. Right, exactly right. And the stuff that neutralizes left-handed hitters is, A, much more difficult usually. Right. Many right-handed pitchers have nothing to neutralize uh, left-handed right. hitters and yes. many vice versa. Right. But it's usually a changeup change or a splitter, splitter or something Maybe else. Maybe a curveball sometimes, yes. yeah. And so the the nice thing about a splitter, even relative to a changeup in some cases, is that it can be, if thrown a certain way and with a certain grip and with certain characteristics, a true kind of neutral split pitch, right. which is that it can be identically effective, big picture, against righties and lefties. And then, to your point, you only really need two pitches. Yeah. Now, having a third pitch and being able to bust out a slider once in a while in certain matchups is still going to help course, a lot. Of course. And I think Ryan has done that plenty this year. Uh, but he's in, in part, I think their league is adjusting to the fact that he is sure they haven't been looking for that splitter. They don't know him as having that splitter, and and so to some extent, he's probably overusing it now more than he will probably end up using it right. at, during the rest of the season. I did look; he's got reverse splits right now, similar yeah, to like what we've seen sure. from Pablo Lopez in the past. You know, he's got. I will say he's though, he's actually that better against the opposite-handed. Uh, even when pitches. he was primarily a fastball guy, and people had a lot of skepticism of him or his upside in general, going back a year or two, he fared much better against lefties. Everyone feared that being you know seventy-five percent fastballs and throwing them at ninety-one miles an hour, right. he's just going to get chewed up and spit out by left-handed power hitters. And he did give up some home runs early. That was you know his his bugaboo, but. He, because of the movement and his ability to command that pitch in parts of the zone that most pitchers don't work at, he was much more effective against lefties or, or much <laughs> less damaged I'm, against lefties. No, he was still better against right. righties. Okay. But then you combine that with a legitimate off-speed pitch that can work against both. And I don't think it's a surprise. He's got a 298 ERA and right. he's, you know, thrown a hundred innings. Great strikeout rate. He's cut way back on the, on the, uh, home runs in part because this splitter induces more ground balls than his changeup used to. Yeah. So you keep the ball on the ground. You can't give up home runs. And so, and I, I thought it was particularly impressive this complete game or this shutout because it came after his worst start of the season. He gave up six yeah, right. runs, yeah. uh, in his last start and ballooned his a- ERA up real nice. Well, the other thing is that, you know, we're seeing a upward trend from him. You know, I, right. I, I think when they acquired him back in 2021, right? Yeah, 2021. And, you know, even then he was not considered a 
a real top prospect. He was considered a good pitcher. He was yeah. certainly a I would prospect. Say a, but, a B-level prospect, right. probably. And he was already 25. He was at right. AAA, and there was that's right. doubts. I mean, and he put out, he put up great numbers in AAA. He put up great right. numbers throughout the minor leagues. But people said, but, well, all these guys are fastball. Exactly right. Yeah. And and the th- and the take on that fastball, the narrative around that fastball was, well, it's got goofy movement, and so it does play. It's not but, just a fastball. But is it going to play for a long time? Like, at what point does the, the league adjust to, okay, this guy's got a fastball with a little different movement than we're used to seeing. You know, the third, fourth time we end up seeing him, right. uh, we're, it's not going to be the same. Um, what we've seen is that he's been able to develop the off-speed pitches that he was not able to develop before, right? right? And that, to some extent, they're still having problems seeing the fastball. And this is a year, almost oh. two years into... This fastball's as, as good as it's ever been. Right. I mean, if you look at, like, leaderboards for certain metrics, like, just, you know... Uh, I mean, you can look at, like, batting average against, but also just whiff rate on that. Right. And then, yes. you know, run expectancy on, on pitch individual pitches. It, you look at the yeah. leaderboard for fastballs, and it's like... All the guys who throw 99 miles an hour and then Joe Ryan right. are the lead. And right. that is deception and movement and yeah. command and the, the and, oddity of his uh, water polo-esque right. uh, delivery. And that, do- and that doesn't mean that his fastball has gotten better or worse. It can also mean he's just got the off-speed pitches to offset well, the fastball too. so that they can't sit on the fastball right. You anymore. can't just purely key right. in on that. And so. I, I, also, I was talking about this with somebody from the Twins the other day, which is, you know, everybody wants a, a – exceptional pitching prospect. You want a guy who it's like uh, the dude from LSU now who I just watched last night right. who's going to be the number one or number two pick. Right. He throws 102 miles an hour. He's probably could be in the majors right now. <laughs> Strasburg, you know, example of that. But I think more and more, especially on the pitching side, more so even than the hitting side, it's give me this kind of moldable clay with a guy who's got talent but, you know, like Joe Ryan, nobody yes. was – Joe Ryan was 24, 25 years old at double and triple A, and people were like, eh, he's good. But it's right. like give me this guy who's got a good brain for pitching, he's got a willingness to tweak and try things, and he's smart, and maybe has a pitch that's kind of unique and outplays expectations. And let's see if we can kind of build from that clay – something else right. let's see if we can get a better slider let's see if we can just ditch the change up for a completely different type of change up right. and let's see that and i think if you look at someone like bailey ober he's an example yep. of that yeah. joe ryan well, is an example bailey of that. ober you also get the point where we also think we can just add velocity to right. this guy which is yes. something that i don't think they're trying to do with joe ryan because i don't think they want to mess was, with his fastball he was throwing faster <laughs> in the ninth inning than he did a lot of times last season he's had a little velocity but yeah, yeah I, I think that's an example of you know kind of lab work that major league pitchers and and pitching coaches call it which is like we can almost reverse engineer a lot of this stuff if given the right tools and the right brains and the right kind of baseline talent is we can just build pitches we can say this guy's got the ability to throw this at this mile an hour with this break from this arm angle and if we tweak this and we tweak that guess what now all of a sudden Six months later, he's got a splitter right. that people are hitting 125 off of, and it's completely changed any narrative surrounding him being a fastball-only pitcher. It's completely you know, raised his, his ceiling that he could have. And now, all of a sudden, I know everyone goes, well, wasn't Falvey here to develop young pitching? Right, yeah. Yeah, 
<laughs> Joe Ryan's yeah. an all-star right. now. Yeah. That, that wasn't yeah. supposed to happen. You, you don't supposed to. It doesn't mean that you uh, have to draft them to be able to develop right. their pitching. If you take a look at what Cleveland did yeah. while Falvey was there. These are not high draft picks. Well, it, it, not even that they were, they weren't even within in the organization. A lot of these guys that the, that right. Cleveland ended up de- were, tra- were, were guys that they traded for in double A or triple A or not prominent prospects. Right. That's right. And it, it, I was joking about this with one of the, <laughs> one of the Cleveland writers. Because they were talking about now a guy, I think his name's Gavin Williams, who they just called up, who's like their top pitching prospect. Mm-hmm. He replaced Tristan McKenzie, who's also someone right, they right. built yes. into somebody right. but is now yeah. hurt. And I said, uh, I said, I don't know much about Gavin Williams other than he's a, you know, top 20 consensus prospect. I said, I'm just going to assume he's a pretty tall, uh, white guy, right hander from some small college. And they were like, well, it's not that far off. You look at Bieber, you look <laughs> right, at everybody, they, they have a type, which is that if we can get, it's kind of the Corey Kluber type too from right, way back, yes. who's another guy they traded right, for. Yes, they got right. him from San Diego and he was not a top prospect, which Cleveland, uh, they take these guys who are, are pretty big and strong other than Tristan McKenzie, who's a beautiful. <laughs> yes. And they have, they throw strikes in college and they miss more bats. Than you would expect, given their kind of mediocre velocity and stuff, because they have really good command and yeah. they're smart, and they have the physical ability to add more velocity. Right. Yes. And so then they get him in the la- they draft him in the fourteenth round or whatever. Yeah. No one cares about him. Yeah. Three years later, they're at Double A. They got a one forty ERA and they're striking out fourteen guys per nine innings. And people go, "Well, how the hell did that happen?" Well. I'm not here to tell you the Twins are churning out guys like Cleveland no, or right. other teams. Right. The Dodgers are very good at this too. But I am telling you that Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan are examples, and hopefully Louis, Louis Varlin at some yeah, point too, suggest, yeah. is another example of, I mean, for God's sakes, Louis Varlin was from Concordia. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are we talking about? I talked to Louis <laughs> Varlin like a few weeks ago, and I said, what were you throwing when you showed up at Concordia? And he said, well, A, I literally only had a fastball. And not, I'm not saying <laughs> yes, the other yes. pitches were bad. I'm saying they didn't exist. And I was throwing like 85 miles an hour. And he yeah. said, and that's good for that league. Right, yeah. And I right, just thought, yeah. and I'm going to watch you pitch tomorrow, and you're going to throw yeah. 98 right. at Target Field. Yeah. And so that's you know what the Twins are building. Now, could they have done it earlier? Should they be doing more of it? All this stuff, yes. But when you look at Joe Ryan as you know, such a prime example, as they took a guy who was 25 at AAA and had good numbers and one really good pitch, and they got him for two months of Nelson Cruz, and they've turned him now into right. a legitimate frontline 26-year-old under-team control starter. And if the Cleveland Guardians had done this, it would be driving Twins fans sure. insane. Yes, right. yeah, now, right. Twins have to do it another five times over sure. the next five years. Right. But I think the, the Ryan kind of ascension – culminating obviously with the shutout yesterday um has been i don't know it's been kind of fascinating and i also just find him to be a very fun pitcher to watch yeah like just from a kind of like uh button pushing (laughs) or level lever pulling it's it's a very fun from like a game theory standpoint to be like high fastballs and splitters here we go (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. hit it yeah it's it's simple yeah there's a a simple formula but it's executed right perfectly that's right Uh, it's also fun to watch him in part because he's always been a fast worker, and yes. now with the pitch clock, he works fast. He uh, plays they, good defense. They, they can't they can't mess with him as much. It used to be frustrating to watch him in part because the the other team would deliberately try to mess with his cadence by stepping out of the box or this and that. And they can't f around with that anymore, right. and especially they can't f around with it when they don't have a guy on base because the, right. the, you got fifteen seconds instead of twenty and seconds. There weren't a whole lot of guys on no, base yesterday. Exactly. I also just wanted to say. Um, he really afterward uh, appreciated the pre ninth inning ovation 
from the crowd and that everyone was kind of hyped up to hear his song played again. Yes, yes, yes. And just yes, in general, yes. he said multiple times uh, in the interview, in the interview room, uh, really without prompting, like how, you know, he yeah. used the word awesome. Yeah. And electric yeah. over and over. He was like, there was 28,000 people here. We were hyped. I was having a great game. And every yeah. time I would just look around and be like, yeah, this is, this is fun. Then that they start playing a song again. And so, yeah, yeah. it was. And that's a, why you pitch. So that's, that's, that's why you play baseball. The, it was a good day at like the that. ballpark. Right. As Bo- Rocco Baldelli said, it was Joe Ryan Day, and those are usually pretty good days. <laughs> um, he also claimed, by the way, to not have known the score of the game until the seventh inning. <laughs> he said because it was so warm, he kept going back into the tunnel uh, to cool down. So you didn't see all the and runs. He said, there. I could just tell we were doing something good, yeah. like the home runs. And I just thought... I kind of believe that, but also there's a fair number of scoreboards out in Target Field. <laughs> yeah, but you can't trust them anymore. <laughs> well, that's well, that's true. Yeah, that's, well, that was John Bonus who said. <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's do a quick programming note and cover a couple sponsors before we get to the rest of your notes. The programming note is there will not be a podcast next Friday. Yeah, there will not be a free podcast next Friday. John's going on strike. I, I, I'm going on a trip. Uh, it's going to be difficult for us to record it, and frankly, as the fifth Friday of the month, we just don't have any sponsors for it anyway. Yeah, we forgot to line up sponsors, basically. <laughs> fifth Friday of the month, it's just hard to get It's hard to get sponsors. So next Friday, there will be no podcast. There will, however, be Patreon podcast. Yeah. We'll have one Monday, Monday, and Wednesday. Monday and Wednesday. We'll do Monday. We'll cover the Detroit series. Wednesday, we'll do a mailbag. We're going to take Friday off for Fourth of July weekend. We will be back on Monday, just before the Fourth of July, yeah. July 3rd. Subscribe yeah. to the Patreon right. if you want that show. It's a fucking right. episode. And if something happens, we will probably jump on for an emergency podcast if there's a big we'll big see. move or something like that. Um, we'll see how we handle that. We might just put it for free for the patrons because we don't want to yeah. charge them for that. But uh, yeah, so next Friday, you will be without Gleaming of the Geek. We are, we are sorry, but I'm going to Milwaukee. To We're sorry or you're welcome. <laughs> I'm sure there are people. I watch, especially television at this point, a lot of shows because I hate them. <laughs> and so I can only a lot of real housewives that I've gotten into because my girlfriend's into them. And I, I watch it not because I like anyone on the show or the show itself, just because it's it's enjoyable on some level to hate them. Okay, and I'm sure at least a percentage of our audience, at least two percent of our audience, listens to this show because they hate it. Right? Like I mean, oh, for sure. Like, oh, can you that believe what he said? Absolutely again? low. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So we're giving you a week. I off. think all those people are on Reddit.com. <laughs> and let's talk, I about, let's talk about our uh, last two sponsors. Hi, everyone. I read it. That was a joke. I don't, I'm just kidding. Uh, mostly. Uh, our last couple of sponsors, then we're going to talk Buxton and some right. other things, is uh, BetterHelp. BetterHelp. Yep. BetterHelp.com. We've talked about this a lot before. They've been a sponsor for a while now. We've heard from people who have used it and liked it. And the whole premise of BetterHelp is you wake up someday and you've had a problem in your life. Something physical, something emotional. You're finally ready whatever. to talk about and some stuff. And you think today would be a good day to get help. And I know, I can tell you, some days you wake up and that's the last thing on your mind and right. that seems an impossible task. And once in a while you wake up and go, if I could do it today, I'd do it. Right. And the worst thing to come, to have happen on Turns those days. It's hard to do it that day. Is if there's like a barrier <laughs> right. for yeah. entry. If you got to do a whole lot of, go through a lot of hoops from an insurance standpoint, or you got to go call someone, or maybe you got to go somewhere in person and you're just not up for you it. You got to research who to talk right. to. Right. The, the thing about BetterHelp is they can get you within like 36, 48 hours, set something up with a real licensed therapist who can specialize in the stuff you need help for. And the beauty, I think, is if you want to just do a video call, they can set that up. Yes. If you say, I don't want to be on camera. I don't feel like being on camera. You can do a phone call. If you are like me and you hate being on the phone even more than you hate being on video, 
you can just do a live chat where you're typing with someone. You can, they will set it up to match whatever yeah. you're comfortable yeah. with. All you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist for, at any time for no charge. So if it doesn't work out, it's a, so it's an easy way to just try it. And it's also a little bit more affordable. Uh, than, uh, than let therapy be your map with better help. Go to betterhelp.com slash Gleeman today and you will get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash Gleeman. And our last sponsor. Game time. Yeah, game time. I if, wonder uh, if game time has any Swifty tickets available right now. I have four. <laughs> if you'd like to make me an offer. I do not. Now, it's going to be have to be a really good offer because uh, I'll be murdered for selling <laughs> Um, but I do have four, and they're uh, floor lo- floor seats. Uh, I know these are good seats, we, and I made we, the mistake we, we, of we, we talked about your superhero ability to looking get up the prices for these things, and it makes me want to sell them more. But if you are a person, <laughs> whether it's Taylor Swift concerts, Twins games, uh, stand up shows, whatever, and they Game Time app specializes in hard to find tickets yes. and last minute tickets. Right. So if you just wake up and it's the afternoon of a Twins game at night, and you think. Yeah, I want to get some actually yeah. good seats for this. Yeah. But is it too late? John has gotten them yeah. as he's walking oh, to the ballpark. I've, I've got them across the street from the right. ballpark at the brewery. Uh, and I've, I've been doing this since 2019. This is not a, a recent yes. uh, recent thing. So here's all you have to do. If you want to snag tickets without the stress, use the Game Time app. You download it. You create an account. Use the code Gleeman, and you get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. But again, create an account on the Game Time app. And then redeem the code Gleeman for twenty dollars off. Downtown, download GameLine today. Game time today. Excuse me. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay. Um, yeah, the Swifties, man. Whew. It's going to be a great weekend in downtown Minneapolis. We're going to the Pride Dabbler tonight. Yeah. Uh, then we got the Swifty concert. What the next two nights, right? Yep, Friday, Friday and Saturday, Saturday night. We've got uh, boxing at the Armory. Showtime boxing at the Armory on Saturday. Okay. Jill Biden is coming to the Pride. Uh, festival on Saturday. I like the mix of the Armory boxing crowd with the Taylor Swift crowd. Especially because they're about two blocks apart. Yeah. (laughs) You would think if it came to it, push came to shove, that the boxing fans would win, but I think they would lose. You've been to a boxing match? Yeah, but not for a long time. I used to go... uh, I've been to boxing matches. I used to go to pro wrestling uh, matches because we knew a guy who wrestled. And then I went to one uh, mixed martial arts, which was a very sad uh, event. I, I would love to. to go to a boxing match at the Armory. I haven't been there yet. It's one of, those, one of the things I mean, keep meaning to do, and I keep not doing it. I've kept – so I snagged uh, four Taylor Swift tickets long, long time ago for my yes. girlfriend and her friends. Uh, I, I, was, I remember I, that. I think you were at spring training when it happened, yeah. right? Yeah. We and then there. I snagged the Beyonce tickets a few days later, and then I got everyone uh, Bruce Springsteen tickets. <laughs> I don't go to any concerts. I just get the tickets. But I, um, I've held them. In part because I'm just too lazy to transfer them, but in part because I think they kind of have to treat me nice to like officially <laughs> give them the tickets. That's right, yeah. And these women, how are they doing? This group of four women who I I, I really love, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't describe them as nice to me necessarily. I would not. Um, really, no. I wouldn't describe anyone as really nice you to me. Like anybody, right? This nice is what I draw you, in. Right? You draw. You, you draw in nice what to you're, you, your mom, and you don't get along. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> hi, mom. She's listening to this. Uh, <laughs> window cleaner i thought that window, was my mom window attacking cleaner. the window it's like oh my god she's here hi mom um but yeah so i i'm i think tonight's the night i'm gonna transfer over the the taylor swift tickets that's gonna be. there we go right. then i wake up in the morning and it's like are the tickets for tomorrow night or tonight saturday night okay yeah, saturday. 
Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about Byron Buxton here. So we're not going to, like I said, we we talked about this in great depth um, on the Patreon show Wednesday at the yes. beginning of the show. If you want to go hear that, uh, and you can test the Patreon for free, by the way, the archive is free. You yes. can go listen to it. Yeah, um, give it a try. Patreon.com slash Gleeman. So we were not going to go back into that. This will just be the Cliff's Notes version of that because there's been uh, developments since then that are worth talking about. But the the Cliff Notes version of what happened earlier in the week was. Uh, Byron Buxton was in a deep slump after coming off the IL, uh, I think 0 for 16 with 10 strikeouts. And, you know, was it a low point for the team, a low point for him? And he just mentioned sort of casually pregame Tuesday, but he happened to say it on the one day where all the television cameras were there. <laughs> right. That, uh, yeah, I was, you know, doing some workout in the outfield yesterday, Monday yes. pregame. Did some throwing, caught a couple of fly balls, nothing crazy, just kind of. Right. And the idea was sort of like just to kind of switch things up and he maybe said get Nick out of a slump. He said the trainer told him, go out there and break a sweat. Why yeah, not? Right. Let's do it. You're, as Buxton said, I was sick of just living in the batting cage because as <laughs> right. a DH, yes. that's all you're right. working on. That's right. Um, and so the television cameras and the re- television reporters – because they're not there every day and they haven't talked to him about this every day and haven't heard from Rocco Baldelli every day, thought, well, that's something, right? That must mean he's kind of working towards getting back to the outfield. So then Buxton was asked about that and Baldelli was asked about that a few moments later and Baldelli went into like a 10-minute, um, not monologue, it was three or four questions about it, kind of explaining or expanding upon what he has said pretty consistently, which I would say the number one thing Baldelli has said when asked about Buxton's bad knee and inability to play center field, and it's a direct quote, which is, if he could play center field physically, he'd be playing center field. And he has said that since March 5th or whatever. And pretty consistently, and he gets asked about it. I know people are like, you got to ask the tough question. He gets asked about it every day. He gives the same answer every day. Uh, Some days longer, some days shorter. This time he thought, let me just really talk about it. Let me just lay it all out. I answer every question because – Every television camera was there. So I think he thought in his mind, I can get the word out here at least. Right. And if, if the information I'm conveying falls on deaf ears, probably that will happen to a lot of people. Sure. That's fine. But at least this will, will get the word out. And so he, you know, he basically said what he said all along, but in, in longer terms and more detail, which is, you know, he, we don't think Byron can physically handle because of his bad knee. Uh, playing center field. Now, does that mean he could literally not play center field? Well, no, of course. I mean, if they wanted to put him out there for an inning, right. although they've avoided doing that, or a game or a couple games, yes. But their feeling is if he plays a, a weekend in center field, Monday morning is not going to be pretty. And Monday morning, he's not going to be in the lineup. And that's if he makes it through these games in center field. And they want him in the lineup. Now, when he's struggling, going 0 for 16 with 10 strikeouts, the notion of we have to keep him out of center field so that he can be in the lineup every day as a designated hitter loses a little something, obviously. you got to be much more productive as a designated hitter, Uh, in part because the bar for offense at designated hitter is just higher, and in part because you're not contributing defensively. And Buxton within that has talked about how difficult these slumps become Specifically, <laughs> right. because he can't go rob, rob. He can't go rob side, hits, right. yeah. and he, and he's just you strike out in your first at bat. You got thirty five minutes to just think about that yeah, until right. your next yeah. at bat. And he goes and hits in the cage and all this stuff. But he's gotten sick of that. Like he's just and so all this gets discussed and the idea that as we've talked about before, Buxton. I mean, I I, I fully believe if I'm in the clubhouse one day and Buxton walks in and he's been decapitated. 
right. uh, in some sort of accident, unfortunate accident on the way to the ballpark, and a reporter said to him, you think you could play today? He would say, oh, yeah, I'll be in the lineup. Sure, yeah, right. And yeah, so right. that's fine. It's similar to Sonny Gray last week saying, oh, I've never been removed from a game and agreed with it. That's <laughs> right, fine. Yes, right. yeah. That's perfectly uh, reasonable and not uncommon attitude for an athlete to have is I play through everything and I never sure. want to be removed from the game. Right. But when you're 100% on that, right. the manager and the team is going to have to make decisions that run right. contrary to that because it's not 100%. Be right. That, right. Right. Yeah. If Sonny Gray never thinks he should be removed from a game, well, obviously there are times when he should be removed <laughs> from a game. Right. Yeah. And so anytime he is removed from a game, he's going to disagree with it. Buxton you know, much more extreme example of this, which is that I mean, I've I've been there when he as a player, you have that luxury, yes. of saying I'm going to play no matter what. Right. And <laughs> right. actually, the manager both, does not have that luxury. I mean, there right. were times last season when he had difficulty walking from the entrance to the clubhouse to his locker at the back end of the clubhouse, right. and then he would play that day yeah. uh, last year, and we saw it. It took a lot out of him. He ultimately got shut down. And one of Baldelli's points is. I'm willing to come across as the villain here, sure. as the bad cop here. You have to be. That's your job. Because, yeah. A, like we just said, Byron will never say he should sit out. Right. Byron could be limbless and headless, and he would say, lean off today? <laughs> Playing center field today? And so someone has to make those the decisions. The Black Knight in Monty Python. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Uh, but then beyond that, Buck, or, uh, Baldelli's other point while he was talking about this more in depth on Tuesday was – I don't love talking about this every day. It's not a pleasant topic. It's a frustrating right, topic for everyone involved. But if this keeps Byron from having to talk about it every day, great. <laughs> right. That's what I'm yes, here for right. in yes. part. And so I thought that was really interesting. And, it, you know. Well, because Baldelli knows all too well how frustrating yes, it is as a as player to have to talk about this stuff all the time. Former yes, right. uh, elite center fielder with right. incredible uh, tools who was just not on the field enough. Right. Uh, yeah, he knows that. And, uh, when Cleveland was in town, their writers were bringing up Grady Sizemore as the same thing, <laughs> right. which Grady Sizemore was, I think, runner-up for MVP as like a 23, 24-year-old, right. just an exceptional all-around player, yeah. five-tool center fielder, MVP caliber guy, got hurt when he was like 26 and was just never healthy, basically. Yep. And yep. the frustration involved in that and the difficulty in trying to cover that and trying to get the message across when people are frustrated and I think, you know, it's worth looking. I wrote about this if people want to see the quotes in the article. And also, uh, there's been some clips posted of it too from Baldelli. I think it's worth listening to because I do think he made an honest effort at explaining a situation that they're not always the most forthcoming about, which is their own fault. Um, but one, one of the key things he said is that essentially Buxton is kind of just treading water yes, health wise at thing. DH, right? So, two, three questions back and forth about. Why isn't he playing center field? How's his knee? All this stuff that we just discussed. And then uh, Chip Scoggins from the uh, Star Tribune said, well, is there any hope that he's ever going to play center field? And Bucks, or, uh, Baldelli initially said, well, yeah, I'm holding out hope for this season. I'm not optimistic. I'm not pessimistic. Just is kind of what it is. And then he, he also said, physically, he's essentially treading water just as a DH right now. He's not any closer to playing in center field. He's not a, any worse than he was necessarily, right, right. although I might push back against that just watching him from the eye test, but okay. And But he has not progressed to the point where they can start to say, as they hoped would be the case, the plan was or the hope was he's going to begin the year as they stated in spring training. He's going to begin the year as a full-time DH. They didn't put any sort of timeline on it. They didn't say, you know, May 10th he's going to be back in center field. But the hope obviously was if he can kind of ramp up slowly, stay in the lineup as a DH, be productive, you know, 
get the knee feeling better come May, come June, come whenever, he can at least transition back to center field. But he, his knee has not improved to that point. Right. He's, if anything, I would argue the same or slightly worse as purely a DH, which is not a great sign. And I, I get 100% why that is frustrating to fans. Fans with injuries want to hear, and I'm the same way, you want to hear, oh, he'll be back in six to eight weeks. And then right. at the six-week point, you right. go, is he ready? <laughs> at the eight-week right. point, if he's not ready, you go, well, what what went wrong? He's right. not ready. Right. But we've learned over the years that those are just estimates. I, I mean, think if you're listening to this, think of an injury you've had and the timeline you were given. Was it the day of the timeline it hit and you felt great? Or maybe there were times when you healed quicker, you healed later, whatever it is. And I, I, I very much get the – you know the the human tendency to want to know certainties about uncertain things, of course, with injuries, right? Uh, well, especially when you've got an offense that's struggling and you're trying to right. come up with ways to make it better. And you know, especially when you, it seems like, you know, we talked a little bit about this during the the last month of slump. You know, so so often the guys who are hitting have not been the core guys. It's been some of the new call ups, right? right? And you're just trying to find space for Matt Walner to get, to see if he can make an impact, or Edward Julian when Polanco comes back, or whatever. And DH spot is almost always a good good spot. So we we are seeing, and especially earlier this week when we saw Michael Taylor uh, go down with a uh, right. get hit in the hit in the head with with a ball, right? And so we, we're not even sure who's going to be available to play center field. So it's natural to ask these questions. Absolutely. To Figure things and out, right? within that, Your I, have the Twins been as forthcoming as they should be? You know, you can debate that. They certainly haven't been as as forthcoming as they could be. But I think you're going to find a lot of teams in a lot of sports are that way. And so that's their own problem. That's their you know they're to blame for that. I think they're trying to correct that. I think Baldelli specifically is trying to be more forthcoming and more willing to expand upon uh, the issues. But it's a frustrating issue. It's something Buxton doesn't like talking about. It's something that you know, is not a fun thing to talk about. But within that, I think the the frustration at times, to me at least, seems to seep into anger about the situation. And I think the the sense that they're not being as forthcoming as they could be is part of that, obviously. But, you know, we hear from people all the time who are like, why don't they just put Buxton in center field? Right. And no amount of trying to explain that situation. I mean, it's not an f- issue of being forthcoming. I mean, I've written 50 quotes and we've talked about it on a weekly basis on the podcast. They've been consistent since spring training. If he could play center right. field, if his knee would allow him to play center field physically, yeah. he'd be playing center field. And then from that, people are like, well, what's the specific issue? Well, yeah, Why hasn't it got better? But pe- yeah, here's but, the but, truth. But that's the question. Here's the truth. Right. And the, the, the number one source of frustration and anger and resentment and any other negative uh, phrasing that you want to attach to this situation, whether you want to point it at Buxton or, or Baldelli or the right. Twins, I certainly if, – if you're pointing at Byron Buxton, man, oof, you're doing that wrong. Uh, but here's what I'll say. Here's the number one thing. And I'm going to curse on the – page. Uh, it's not a Patreon. I'm going to curse. His knee's fucked up. That's it. <laughs> well, and yeah. you can talk all you want about timelines and you can talk all you want about expectations and hopes and you know future and all that. But he, he had a bad knee last season. He got it fixed. They hoped it would be better at this point and it's not better. And – Maybe he requires another surgery at some point. Maybe time off would help, although that he just took three maybe, weeks maybe off. Maybe it's a matter of uh, getting muscles around the right. knee stronger, right. et cetera. But right like now, 
the source of all of this, of the questions, of the uncertainty, of the sense that they're not being forthcoming, all stems from the fact the, the that team. one of the best, most talented players in the history of the team, who at his peak, at his healthy peak, is as good as anybody who's ever put on a Twins uniform. And you feel free to throw that to the preposterous statement tournament. Right. Uh, it's true. Um, has a significant problem with a significant part of his body that has just not gotten better. Right. And, you know, Twins fans 40 years ago saw this with Tony Oliva. Yeah. Uh, Twins fans, unfortunately, recently have seen this in regard to concussions with Joe Mauer and Justin well, Moore. say also with or knees. elbows or <laughs> knees or <laughs> all this stuff. Weakness, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the Mauer example was great, is, is a good example here. It's a you know, negative example, but it's a good example. There are people still to this day who are like, I don't understand what was wrong with Maurer. I don't know. What's bilateral? Leg- <laughs> well, yeah, he had knee surgery and he didn't get better. Now, they completely botched the handling and the messaging behind right. that. Yes, right. But anybody who's sitting here in the year 2023 saying that whole Maurer thing was pretty confusing. Well, that's just because they they screwed up the messaging on right. it. And I fear that the Buxton thing is trending in the same direction. But it doesn't have to be that way. And you can boil it down to... Yes, it sucks. Believe me, it sucks. Yeah. No one wants to play center field more than Byron Buxton. No one other than Buxton wants to see him in center field more than Rocco Baldelli and the Minnesota Twins. Believe me. And Twins fans too. But it, he, they've determined that he's not able to do that. And I personally, having watched him now, I believe that. I, I believe watching him run the bases and just be gassed every time and take a minute to stand up every time he slides and obviously the funks that he's gone through at the plate where he clearly his lower body is just not a strong enough base to really have a consistent swing mechanics. The solution to that is what happens if we played him in center field now? That's not going to make it better, obviously. Yeah. And so all of that, all the frustration that comes from that and it, it unfortunately the frustration turns, turns into even more negative emotions. And I, I totally get that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with feeling that way. But ask yourself this. Is all of this because a guy with a bad knee still has a bad knee and everyone thinks that sucks? And, yeah. and really, that's it. And it, I, I mean, it, I, I think that is accurate. I mean, I think the – I think a lot of the frustration – I think to some extent if you – Listen, there are absolutely aspects of this that we don't fully understand, right? We don't, sure. we don't, there, there are more questions that could be asked if we want to get, sure. and I'm sure, and the fact that we as fans don't know that stuff, well, you know, you don't get to know all of that stuff. You don't know, get to know exactly yeah, I mean, what, what the Hockey issue is. still be getting knee. called a lower body injury. Right. We wouldn't even exactly. know it was a knee right. technically. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, but at this point, you know, if you, if you don't understand the fact that he's got a bad knee and they are trying to get it built back up again, right? And that right. to some extent the act of playing every day at DH means that he is treading water whether you know it's certainly not because that they're not working on it. At some point you're just in denial. <laughs> you know, you're just you just don't you just have this great toy that you want to play sure. with and you, you don't get to play with it and it's frustrating. And so you know I get it. I get the emotion attached to it. But you know at some point, you just have to recognize, you know, they're certainly working on it. Buxton is certainly working right. on it. Everybody wants Buxton in center field. <laughs> Everybody, including Michael Taylor, <laughs> would probably like Buxton right. in center field, right? But the fact is, is that he's not there yet. And that doesn't mean he's never going to get better. It might mean he's right. never going to get better. But I think the, the comparison we talked about on the, the Patreon that I'll repeat now, because I think it's a decent one, at least in terms of my analogies go, which is a low bar is let's say you have a superstar pitcher and he throws uh, 98 miles an hour 
and he blows out his elbow. Well, that sucks. You're without him. You know, maybe he takes longer than expected to come back from Tommy John surgery. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of anger. Same type of emotions. We, then we, when he, we, we might be seeing that. Right? Yeah, play we out, have seen play that. out tonight. Liriano, same thing. <laughs> right, Go yeah, back right, and yes, right. Read yeah. or listen to yeah, some of the right. stuff about people were mad about that too. Yeah, right. injuries. People don't handle it well, and I include myself yeah, in that because right. it's an unknown. It's a yeah. frustration. But let's say that guy eventually, 18 months later, he does come back, and he's throwing 92 miles an hour. Instead of 98 miles an hour. Right. And you think in your head, well, yeah. And the, and the team says, well, we'll start him out slowly. He's going to work a long relief, and we're going to have him start, but maybe we'll go to a six-man rotation to give him extra time off, and blah, blah, blah. And you watch him for 10 starts, and you go, well, he's still he's throwing 92 miles an hour. He's, he's, not, not, he's, he's not, not as effective. good. Yeah, he's yeah, not nearly as good. Kinda, he's got moments. You yeah. can see flashes of it. He's still a, a decent player. He's still helping the team most times. But, man, there are some nights where he just doesn't have it. And then you go, well, why don't they tell him to throw 98 again? Why don't they put him back in center field again for Byron Buxton? He can't throw 98 right now. And maybe never. Uh, And that's the the comparison that I would make here is it's not that people don't want him to throw 98 again. It's not that people don't want him to be the full version of Byron Buxton chasing down balls in center field. It's just that that's not a possibility right now. And acting as if that's not the case, as Baldelli said, we can talk about this all we want. And we can say whatever we want, but that doesn't change the reality yeah, of the situation. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just think that's what I keep coming back to. And it sucks. And I also – I'll toss in one more analogy. I, w- I will be bummed if we never get to see him in center field again just because I love to watch I mean, him you'll see him field. in center field. He's going to play center field again in his life, but will he be a regular center fielder at any point? I, I don't know that I would bet on that. I think the other comparison – the analogy that I will make is, you know, let's say you buy a car and it's got a 25-gallon gas tank. And uh, you can drive on it. You go on long trips. And when you fill it up, you can know, well, I got a couple hundred miles. I mean, I, I can drive for a long time on this thing. Yeah. And then one day, you go into the garage and you start it up, and it's got a 10-gallon tank in it. And then you think, well, man, I got to fill this up a lot more. I can't go on these long drives anymore. You go, well, it would be much better if I had that 25-gallon tank. But you have a 10-gallon tank. And that's what I keep coming back to when I watch Byron Buxton, like in the L.A. series. He goes first to third a couple times. He swipes a couple of bases. And it's not that he doesn't have the gas to do it. Right. It's that the tank is empty a lot quicker every every yeah, time. Yeah. And you need to refill it every time with off days or time off yeah. and all that. And my fear with Byron Buxton is he's got a 10-gallon tank now, and it's never going to not be a 10-gallon tank now in terms of his ability to to play center field. And, you know, mixing the analogies, he throws 92 now and not 98. Could he go out yeah, and play a little right. bit of center field? Do I think eventually if his knee gets no better three years from now, I do think he'll be playing some outfield just because they'll come to grips with the idea that playing in the not playing him in the outfield isn't necessarily going to lead to him Having anything but a 10-gallon tank, throwing anything but 92. So then you just adapt from there. But in the meantime, they're trying to do whatever they can to, A, keep him productive, keep him helping the team. And for whatever you want to say, he's second on the team in win probability added. We saw the impact that he can make while streaky when he's on. Um, and it's not as if there are a million guys who are crushing the ball other than Matt Walner, who has plenty of spots in that lineup that he could take uh, aside from Byron Buxton's spot. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's a legitimate fear of you're now a year into this thing or, or even further than that of his knee being problematic. He's had at least one surgery. He's 
had platelet-rich plasma injections on it during the All Star break. He's taken time well, and off. This is just and it's the, just not gotten better. This is just the latest chapter of how do we keep Byron Buxton productive and healthy? Like they've right. tried, they've tried in previous years giving him rest early on in the season. They've had oh we'll play him Sun Center Field some DH. Now they've tried okay we're just going to have him in a right. DH all the time. Now part of it is, you know, he's probably at a different position different place with his body and his knee than he was in 2021 when they tried this or 2022 and they tried this. It has always been a, I mean, part of the frustration people have probably is that they keep trying stuff and stuff doesn't quite work. But you never never get the player that you were hoping to have. But the problem there is that it assumes there is a answer that works. I mean, no, yeah, that's right. And if it turns out, which it's certainly trending in that direction, that there is not an answer that makes it all work. Right. Then you're just bashing your head against the wall over and over, and that's why it's so frustrating. I have I I, I, I don't find any fault with people being frustrated it, 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 about it at all. It's frustrating for the fans. It's certainly frustrating for the right. coaching team and the front office and for Buxton himself. Right? Yeah, I mean, so, think of and the, and the other players. They last year, I mean, early in his career, they just when he was healthy, he played every day, but he would constantly get hurt. Then last year or last couple of years, it was, well, what if we kind of try to pace it out? Like he plays three games in a row, he takes a day off. Think how mad people were about that, by the yeah, way. Right. And that didn't help. And then he right. ultimately has to have knee surgery in August and he misses the rest of the season. Yeah. And this year it was, we'll try to kind of find a, a middle ground there, which is we're going to try to play him every day or most every day. And right. he did play, he's played 57 out of 76 games or something. I mean, right, that's right. for him, that's, right. you know, uh, yeah. Cal Ripken territory. But it's going to require not using him in center field. And people are furious about that. And I I get it. Like, it's all frustrating. But I think – And came off of – this latest cold streak came off of two weeks on the IL, which were not leg-related. Right. They were from being hit in the rib with a – hit in the ball with a rib I mean, my worry here, whether it's the analogy of a guy who used to throw 98 now can only throw 92, or it's a 25-gallon gas tank that's now only 10 – my worry is this just isn't going to get better. Right. And that's not some moral failing by anybody else involved. It doesn't necessarily mean that anybody did anything wrong. Right. Uh, I mean, we'll never know that. But sometimes you have an injury right. and you have surgery on it and it just doesn't and, get better he, or doesn't get back to where it was at the very least. Here's what I'll say about it as well is that – And that sucks. Know, but listen, as fans, it's one thing to say – well, I think they should try this. I think they should try this. I think they should try this, sure. right? I get it. I, at this point, <laughs> yes, let's try this. Let's try this. But don't act like you think like that's going to fix it. Right. You know, we they've tried a lot of things. They're always trying to do something, right? right. And they might not have tried exactly the thing that you think they should have tried, <laughs> right? Yeah. But they can only try one thing at a time and see how it works, right? So, uh, you know, if your thought process is, well, let's put him on the DL for, you know, uh, two months. See, see if he can get his leg leg better. Well, I mean, sure. By all means, they could try that. Um, you know, the evidence suggests that he was just on there for two weeks and his leg wasn't better after two weeks right. when he wasn't recovering from a leg injury, right? Uh, or or whatever. Like again, I'm I'm all for people saying, you know, I think they should try this. I think they should try this. Understand, they're trying stuff, right? That's, right. And, and when and it think, doesn't work, everybody gets angry because it didn't work. Well, yeah. Right. And I, I do think the more frustrating it gets and the more helpless the situation gets, the more people are angry. I get that. Right. But the more people obsess about the information and how it's conveyed. 
Yeah, probably. When yeah. I, I'm not saying the Twins are good at that. They're not good at that. This has been decades-long problem. They're not good at that. But very few teams are good at that. Um, well, and there's always going to be more questions than they have answers. Have but again, ultimately, but... ask yourself, does this boil down to a guy with a bad knee right. having a yes. bad knee? Right. And yes – would you want more details about that? Would you like to see, you know, x-rays and MRIs yes. and specifics and all that? Yeah, maybe, but that's kind of wishful thinking yeah. covering a, a sports team. And uh, it's bad. It's like, you know, if you're stuck in a room, this is maybe a bad analogy given the submarine situation, <laughs> but if you're stuck in a room and there's a million doors and you think to yourself, well, this sucks. We're, st- we're stuck in this room, but surely one of these doors is the way out. And then you just spend years opening doors and right. none of them open. You're going to get really angry about that. You're going to get really frustrated about that. You're going to start to assume, well, we must be doing something wrong here that none of these doors open. It's possible just none of the doors open. Well, it's yeah, possible right. just the knee is bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a couple years from now, maybe that means he's a part-time outfielder and a part-time DH. But right now, they've determined that the best course of action to keep his bat in the lineup I also think just in general, the idea that he's been some nothing for the lineup is completely overstated. Yes, the lengthy slumps, which are often tied to physical issues, are very frustrating and do not help. But you look at the the overall numbers for the season on this team, he's got a 115 OPS plus. Is that the greatest I've ever seen from a full-time DH? Of course not. But a 115 OPS plus is a good, solid, above-average, regular hitter at any position. And within that, he's had a lot of huge moments. His hits have meant more than the average hits this year. And so his WPA is good. His wins above replacement is going to be capped because he's a DH and he's not contributing defensively. But... You know, and nobody likes to see somebody hitting 215 and he struck out a lot and he's had these long slumps. I'm not saying he's had a good season, sure. even by his standards, right. by anyone's standards. But look up and down this lineup. I mean, he's out hitting Correa. He's out hitting Kepler. He's out hitting almost everybody except, like you said a few minutes ago, all the young guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And so, I don't know. I also think let's give him a chance here now that he's back. Obviously, he had a good last two, three games. He can get rolling. I mean, I, right. I, I think yes. it's a mistake to look at him at his worst. Like we talked about with teams, yeah. they're never quite as bad as they look at their worst and the opposite. Yeah, when he's 0 for 26 right. and you look at him and you go, well, this guy's not contributing anything. Well, yeah, but he's not going to be 0 for 26 for the rest right. of his That's life. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, let's uh, finish up with just a couple more things so we can say we uh, we touched on him here. Oh, I, I just wanted to also say, um, so yesterday he hits the two home runs. Right. First one, 466 feet, yeah. which is the longest uh, of the season by the Twins and the second longest in Buxton's career. And then one at-bat later, he hits one 465 feet, feet. Yeah. which I thought looked more impressive because oh, yeah. it was the left center instead of right. left. Yeah. Um, one foot less. It's now his second and third longest home runs. Uh, and here's a stat that I almost couldn't believe when I heard it yesterday, but it's true. He's the first player in the StatCast era, which is since 2015, since this technology has been available, to hit multiple home runs of 460 feet or more in the same game. Especially back-to-back even more. Back-to-back so. at bat. Yeah, right. And uh, we went in post-game to talk to, to Byron Buxton, and as usual, he was uh, wholly unimpressed with himself <laughs> and basically was like, you know, what do you think of that? tidbit or 465 he's like i don't know they all count the same right so what's the difference <laughs> right, as yeah, long as we right. won blah 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 and he's always like that and then uh, from across the room i hear uh kind of hooting and hollering and a uh 
may have been a naked Ryan Jeffers. Scantily <laughs> clad Ryan Jeffers yells in his best uh, beat writer impression. Uh, Byron, Byron, Byron. What's it like to hit 931 feet of home runs? <laughs> because you do realize, talking yeah, to Byron, right. he's the only one that's not impressed with what he can do at the peak of his powers. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Yes. Like yeah. everyone else, Ryan Jeffers, who's, by the way, probably going to hit like 100 and something career home runs in the majors. <laughs> yeah, right. And had two hits yes. yesterday and caught a shutout. Right. So had a pretty good game. He walks in there and he's like, this dude in the corner here hit 931 feet of home runs. <laughs> right. And then you ask the dude in the corner, and he's like, yeah, but, it, I mean, they, they just counted for two runs. So whatever. <laughs> I just thought that's interesting. If you straightened out the 465, would it have hit the catch? Would it hit? Uh, would have gone up, do you think? That's a good question. Well, the one there's so like, no hit in there yes. was 470-something, I think, right? Yeah. They have a plaque up in right. catch that you can go. But, I mean, that, that's at. also, when they say that, that's kind of where it would have landed, right? Like right. the arch and the... Uh, the arc and so on kind right. of varies. Like you can hit a line drive in there, but then it would probably well, go yeah. 800 feet. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, the problem, yeah, the problem right. is like, let's say, let's say theoretically you hit a ball 700 feet, <laughs> right. which is impossible. You know, 500 is right. like the upper limit, really. Right. But it hit the scoreboard because the scoreboard's <laughs> fucking massive. I don't know why. I'm sorry for swearing. I kept thinking it's the Patreon. Uh, sorry. Um, it hits the scoreboard. Well, you could measure it at the point it hit the scoreboard and you'd be like, well, that's 400 feet. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, right. Or you could try to figure out where would this have ended up if it right. didn't hit and, the and scoreboard. That, and that's what they do. Right. That's right. what they try to right. figure out with the wind patterns and right. all this well, stuff. So. Basically the exit velocity and, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's going to be a parabola. <laughs> um, okay. We, uh, couple other topics that we talked already about on the Patreon side, so we're just going to touch on them very quick here, is Jorge Lopez right. uh, going on the injured list with the mental health designation. The only thing, we talked about that for about 15 minutes on yes. one of the Patreons, so if you want more on that, subscribe to the Patreon, and you'll get kind of our full thoughts on that. I will say, since then, we talked to Jorge Lopez uh, two days after, yesterday, oh. two days after, three days after he was put on the okay. IL, uh, in, in good spirits, uh, agreed with the... He's usually... Yes, he's, he's very usually, usually in good spirits. Although he usually puts a, a happy face. Yes, on. that about can. That? He even kind of admitted that can mask you right know, some trouble that's going yes. on. Uh, and he said uh, he was he, he's uh, thankful for how the twins handled it in terms of how they approached him and said like maybe you, it's time to take a little break here. And the two things that he pointed to, I know I'm not going to go into like super personal details, but you know he, he has a, a son who's right. got uh, significant medical problems yes. that he's been away from right. more often than he would probably like. So yes. I think that's been weighing on him. And then he brought up the fact that you know, once he struggled after coming over last year with a new team, with a high pressure, you know, big trade, he, he kind of felt like that put him in a hole mentally that he's been struggling to get out of. And then he had a really good April. And then it kind of started snowballing again, some struggles, yep. and he just couldn't stop it from snowballing on the field and then within his head. And you could see it manifest itself in a normally very mild-mannered, friendly, smiley person would slam his glove to the ground or beat up a, a water cooler right. or you know who knows what was happening right. behind the scenes. And so he kind of pointed to that, the not being able – getting so frustrated with what had been happening on the field that he couldn't regulate his emotions fully off the field. Well, you could maybe see it with it, the control that he was right. not showing in a lot of those bats. Well. So, I don't know. In terms of a timeline, there isn't really one with this. It's it's kind of open-ended. He's yes. going to have to... might be short. It might be long. Right. You just don't know. Right. Um, so, yeah. And there will not be a bunch of updates. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> right. I mean, yes. Right. The, you can complain about the lack of transparency about this, too, because they're not going to give a, a whole right. lot of updates unless... 
Unless he gives updates. Jorge Lopez decides yeah, to, right. to give some updates, right. which he did. Um, and then, uh, let's see. We talked about Jordan Belzavik, who replaced him uh, yeah. on the roster. I believe, I wasn't able to confirm this yesterday, I asked. When they called Jordan Belzavik up, they always tweet out from the at Twins uh, Twitter account a kind of welcome to the major leagues for a first-time call-up. Like, uh-huh. this guy's making his debut. And the graphic for Jordan Belzavik called him Jordy Blaze. And let me tell you something. That's a name I pulled on my ass one day on the podcast, and we just repeated over and over again because neither of us initially <laughs> knew how to say yes. Balazovic correctly. Did we so, actually nickname a player? I think so. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Nobody would admit to this. but I mean, look, it's a, it's a natural name sure. to come up Maybe with. somebody else had it first. But it's I'm, possible. I got to think us repeating that 50 times until we heard the correct pronunciation of Jordan Balazovic is, uh, <laughs> led to that. So anyway, that was a thrilling moment That's for me. A, it does cool, make me cool. think how many stupid nicknames could we just repeat oh, ad nauseum on this show and get like into idea. the, I love this into idea. the, into the world at that, <laughs> at that point. Um, I don't, well, I mean, I've been trying. John, the sex machine bonus that has not taken. Yeah, in, that's in funny. Years. I really thought that was going to yeah. go. <laughs> Aaron Loverboy Gleeman has not taken <laughs> off. Really handsome Aaron Gleeman. That hasn't really. <laughs> anyway, um, there was one other. Uh, oh, uh, Maeda Varlin. Let's throw in Dallas Keuchel to this discussion. Yes, too. right. Let's yeah. just finish on this. Um, so they made official this morning what we had talked about and I wrote about too that was coming, which is. Uh, Maeda is going to return from the injured list tonight, perhaps by the time he'll have started, by the time some of you are listening to this. So we're not going to, you know, uh, predict what's going to happen. I will say just in general, and I'm guessing you agree, but feel free not to, that I'm, I'm fairly skeptical, uh, you know, to go back to the gas tank analogy that he just has a whole lot left in the tank at this point. I don't mind the idea of giving him one more chance at it. I think he's earned that. I think his track record has earned that. I think the fact, even more so, that Louis Varlin really struggled. Right. That they don't necessarily have a much better option right, right now. Le- I, yes. I do think if Varlin had kept chugging along, so four starts ago, he threw seven shutout innings yeah. in Houston against a really good lineup. And at that point, I looked, his ERA was 351 through seven starts. If he had kept kind of rolling along at that pace, had had two or three really good starts since then, I think there was a, a decent chance that the Twins would have gone temporarily to a six-man rotation to keep them in the majors alongside in each fact, other. One of the things that we've talked about on the Patreon was sort of how well a six-man rotation would work out schedule-wise schedule-wise, up through the All-Star break right. here because that kind of lines up with off days. Almost all the pitchers not only would have gotten an extra day from a six-man rotation, they'd have gotten two right. extra days from it, which is something this team obviously seems to value. So, I mean, I can tell you, you know, behind the scenes, there was some talk about that. But I think, unfortunately, Varlin kind of pitched his way out of that being a possibility. He allowed... Uh, I think it was 17 runs in 15 innings over the last three starts. His ERA for the season went from three and a half to five and a half, essentially. <laughs> and it just became a very straightforward decision to say, you know, we're not writing you off as potentially making an impact in the second half of the season or certainly in the future part of a rotation, which he's part of. But let's you know, go back to AAA. You held your own in 10 starts. You had some really good moments. You had a couple of bad moments. Let's try to, you know, kind of shore up some yeah. of the weaknesses and you'll be back. And within that context, I have no problem whatsoever, you know, giving Kent Tomato one last chance yeah. at age 35 to do some things. And by just, one last chance, you're not saying one last start. No, saying, but I right, think, yes. you know, three starts maybe. Depends. So he, he, I mean, look, if this he, first start, he, yeah, he getting, gives up 10 runs right. in the first inning. He's got Friday, and then he would come back again before the next off day. Or 
not before the next off day, but he would be coming back versus the Braves right. in the last yeah, last I one. I might want to keep him away from that, but not that Baltimore is going to be any easier. Right. I mean, yes, right, that's true. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm very curious to see what Maeda looks like, and he had some success in the four Triple A starts he made. But I just from, think from a stuff standpoint, he's you know, 89, 90, 91, and he was never a hard thrower. But you lose the margin for error going from 92 to 90, basically. And I don't, you know, at least the first time around when he went 0 4 with a 9 ERA beginning the season before he was placed on the IL, yeah. he, he wasn't sharp enough with the things he used to thrive at throwing strikes, commanding his off speed yeah. pitches, pulling the string from a, you know, um, velocity change standpoint pitch speed standpoint he wasn't sharp enough like he used to be to make up for the lower quality of overall raw stuff now maybe he was just fatigued because he was coming back from tommy john and he says uh he feels good and built up a little bit now i I think it's reasonable to find out what you have from him he had decent results at triple a for the most part his last start where he went 80 pitches a lot of walks yeah he kind of ran out of gas at the end but but um so you got maeda's now the fifth starter you send Louis Varlin back to AAA as now your sixth starter, so he's ready to go when needed. If Maeda struggles, if someone gets hurt, and then the Twins have also added a potential uh, AAA starting depth in the form of Dallas Keuchel, and right. you might be saying, "Isn't he some old ass? That's no prospect." <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, we thirty-five years old. Yeah. Uh, you may remember Dallas Keuchel from a few things. One of which is he won the AL Cy Young Award for the Astros in twenty fifteen. Right. Two, in 2017, he won a World Series alongside Carlos Correa yep. with the Astros. Yep. Uh, in 2020, with the White Sox, he finished fifth in the Cy Young voting. Now with a, a short year. Yes. With a Just one, behind Maeda, by the way. Uh, true. Maeda was second, <laughs> right. and he was fifth. Yeah. Bieber was first. Maeda yeah. was second. Yeah. He was fifth. Yeah. He had a 199 ERA. Yeah. Don't look at his numbers since then. No. If you want to be excited about this. He no. had a nine-something ERA last year. He was cut by three teams last year, yes. uh, Rangers being the last one in September. He hasn't pitched in the majors or in the minors even this year, but he worked out at Driveline, which is a training facility that right. several Twins pitchers have had found success working in the offseason. You know, you can get data from there and then give it to teams, and if teams are impressed, they sign you to a minor league deal, which the Twins did officially yesterday. He will join Varlin at AAA St. Paul. I'm assuming as a starter, although that hasn't really been laid out. Right. Um, you know, he's 35 and yes. he throws like Maeda 89, 90 miles an hour. Right. Um, and he's, it's he's been a even crafty lefty at this point. Yeah, I mean, he was a crafty <laughs> lefty you're, you're, you are 10 correct. years ago. He was always he, been a crafty he was lefty. Throwing yeah. 90. He's been a salad guy for a long time. Yeah, he's a uh, <laughs> heavy sinker guy or was and just didn't give up home runs and just got the ball pounded into the ground. He was a great pitcher for about three, three, four years there. Um, I think the way to view this is, you know, if Maeda kind of washes out here and Varlin has to step back into the rotation, you're in good shape still. You got five yeah. starters, but Tyler Malley ain't coming back. Right. So that's out the window. Right. Bailey Ober, who was your depth along with Varlin to begin the season, is basically like your third starter now. Right. Essentially. Simeon Woods Richardson hasn't had he a great struggled. year. He struggled. now in the bullpen. Brent you know. Hedrick's already up here. Right. Right? Is he still so, in the bullpen right now? I think he yes. is. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, I would right. view this as them basically saying, we'd like to kind of replenish triple-A depth. Now, if anything comes from that and Dallas Dallas Keuchel puts together a half dozen good starts and we feel comfortable putting him in the majors, that's great. But if not, 
it's at least somebody at AAA who's a veteran and maybe has some semblance of a floor that's an acceptable major league pitcher. I'm actually – now, look, if somebody gets hurt or Maeda struggles, they're just going to need a starter, and right. I think he would maybe be in there if he's pitched well. I, the thing that most intrigues me about him is the possibility that he could be a left-handed reliever. reliever. I, this is exactly what I thought about when right. I saw it. I was like, well, I see where they would want to bring him in as a starter, kind of see where he is, try to build up his arm strength a little bit. But this team just doesn't really have a left-handed, a true left-handed reliever. They've got Moran, but Thielbar is out. But Moran is more of a right. reverse splits kind of guy a lot of the time because he also, similar to what we talked about earlier, change up is one of his best pitches. Right? Uh, yeah, it makes sense. As I mean, a, I think it would be basically if Thielbar isn't able to come back from the oblique, which he's already right. tried to and f- had struggles it coming did, back. Did from, and then right. didn't. Right. Then yeah, it would be good to have a second lefty reliever. And Keiko has always been death on lefties yeah. um, throughout his career. But I mean, it's I, also I, possible. I, I wonder if he would have signed if he thought that was the case. Like a, at some point, you're, yeah. you know, we'll maybe see. he wants to be a starter. I, I mean, know. you'll know by his usage at yes. Triple I'm assuming he's going to start at Triple yes. But uh, they also, you know, they they screw around with roles at in St. Paul, like. Yes, Balzavik started, yeah. but he was still being used as a reliever. Right. Yes, and they, they yeah, you know, we very a lot. fluid. Yeah, they're prepping guys for roles in the majors. I think, think Maeda's latest start wasn't even as a starter. No, I think somebody was, was I think. who mixed he up with somebody else. Four and a third, but um, so yeah, there's Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel. I would have no expectations that he's going to contribute to the Twins. Uh, that's not why they signed him. They didn't right. sign him thinking three weeks from now he's going to be in the rotation. So you know, cool. Uh, calm down on that. I just think why not. Right. Like, you know, how is he any different than Aaron Sanchez, who's in the rotation at AAA, yeah. a, a former, you know, if he if he looks decent, you call him up. Okay. Uh, so that's the state of the rotation. Um, we will have a lot more, obviously, reacting to how Maeda actually pitches. Yes. Uh, Monday Patriot. morning. Yeah. Um, and, and that. And, the, and the We'd one. love to have you join us. It's just a bucket episode. Uh, Patreon.com slash Gleamland. We would love to have you join us. Thank you to Game Time and to BetterHelp and to... Uh, soda stick and to nuts.com for sponsoring this uh, sponsoring this episode one last thing I don't know why other than maybe Dan Hayes wasn't here so I was looked like I was alone in the press box okay so many people during this Red Sox series stop by to say hi came by to say hi you know one or two a game usually some, sure. somebody yeah. says hi to me or Doe yeah. or whoever it is or Dan so many people and like uh, people like families like there was a a, a a father and a daughter, oh, and awesome. he said, "Well, she's embarrassed about this, but she listens to the show too." And I was like, "Hi," uh, and I, I just it, it really uh, my heart is you can't be warmed, but as close <laughs> as it could come to being warmed, it was it was thawed, it thawed out. Yeah, I was gonna say lukewarm. It really made me feel good because it's just not a high point for the twins as a team, and there's no. a lot of frustration as we conveyed during the show yeah. about a lot of the aspects of this team, and. I, Probably a dozen people, a dozen different sets of people came up during the three or four games against the Red Sox, and just some of them said compliments about you, which I'm certainly not going to share. Sure. Um, a lot of them Absolutely just said not. we like listen to the show, or you know, said some kind of inside joke. Yeah. A couple guys just walked by and said the crow flies at midnight, which I once <laughs> said was a, a, a code word to communicate. A couple guys said nice hair, which uh, I'm sure the people around me just think is mean spirited, given the size <laughs> right. of my bald exactly spot. Right. Um, but that's a little inside that patreon uh, patreon humor <laughs> so yeah right. if you're thinking about joining the patreon i always describe it as like our little kind of private club for yes. for twins talk yes. so all right i just want to say thank you for everybody to we stop would, by. Now, don't do it again don't <laughs> don't come and talk to me but the people who already did it it was it was very nice uh, again just to remind you no 
we're not planning on a podcast next week, so uh, yeah. you'll be hanging out for two weeks. But if you want to give the Patreon a call, a try uh, in the next two weeks, we'd love to have you. Bye bye. Gleaming.